Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Okay, Calvary, we're excited about today. Uh, Joshua and I are going to do something that's a little bit different. We're going to come up and we're going to share about uh, the send and give you a report because it's a part of our prophetic history as a congregation. It's a part of what God's doing in the earth, and we get to join him in what he's doing. So, um, yeah, so let me pray for our time together. And this is not just a report, just so that we can give you some stats and give you an update. But we're praying that there'll be an impartation that there'll be uh, an impact of the Holy Spirit in your lives today as we share. Lord God, you are the master strategist. You are at work in our lives in profound ways. You're at work in the earth in amazing ways. Lord, that we would get to be alive at this time in history is just a gift, Lord. It's just a stunning gift that we get to be alive and that we get to serve you that we get to walk with you, that we get to do this together with one another. What a joy. What a privilege. Lord, I pray as we consider what you're doing, Lord, as we look at our prophetic history, Lord, in this 40th year as a congregation, Lord, I pray that you'll energize us for the next 40 years. Father, that you'll energize us with your, a revelation of your great leadership, your amazing goodness, and your profound grace. Lord, thanks for the chance that Joshua and I have to share this morning. And we bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. So I want to give you an update. We're going to divide this up. I'm going to give you kind of a history about uh, our, our participation in the call and the send. So I'm going to share a little bit about that, and then Joshua's going to give us some prophetic pictures that we actually had this happen this week in staff meeting. We had a great time together, and we were kind of just rehearsing what God had done, and so that's where this message actually came out of. So the call started 18 years ago, or uh, about 18 years of ministry, and Lou Engel just had a heart and a passion to call a nation to fasting and prayer for spiritual awakening, but he actually has an anointing with young people. He can fill stadiums. He has an anointing to fill stadiums with people and to mobilize them. And so he was the visionary co-founder, uh, visionary and the founder of The Call, Solemn Assemblies, a movement of prayer where young adults fast and pray for revival and for breakthrough. So The Call actually began in, D in uh, Washington, D.C., in the year 2000, and 400,000 young people and adults showed up at the mall in Washington, D.C. to fast and to pray and to cry out to God for our nation. In 2011, there was a group of YWAM missionaries. YWAM stands for Youth with a Mission. There was a group of YWAM missionaries who believed that it was time to transition the call from a gathering place of prayer and a gathering place of solemn assembly to a mobilization effort, that the stadiums should, it's kind of like the next step. And so they began to pray, they began to seek the Lord, and they were asking that God would give birth to a sending movement, uh, beginning to fulfill all those years of prayer and fasting for God to come and move in America. And so in 2016, in the Los Angeles Coliseum, 
there were about 70,000 people that gathered there for Azusa Now, where we were praying. There's a prophetic word. We've shared that with you here at Calvary that uh, uh, William Brannon and Mary Maria Woodworth Etter and uh, Charles uh, and uh, Seymour, William Seymour, they had a revelation this, over a six-month period that God was going to pour out his Holy Spirit and it would exceed the outpouring at Azusa Street that took place in 1907. They gave this word in 1913 and they said in 100 years this would happen. And so in 2016, we were three years behind schedule. So Lou Engel and the team got together and they prayed and they asked the Lord, Lord, would you do something? Would you fulfill this prophetic word in our time? By the way, we're still delayed in that and so when something's delayed we want to keep praying until it happens amen we want to keep pushing until we get that revelation and so azusa now actually categorized uh, uh, catalyzed a grass a grassroots movement of, of people who began to get involved in evangelism and missions well in response to that there was a group of leaders including these ywammers and lou engel and other key national leaders who got together in Orlando, Florida and began to pray, how do we do something that's not just a grassroots effort, but how do we actually move it to a committed re-energizing of the Great Commission, evangelism and missions, and, and get into what we call action, get into uh, immediate steps to reach their mission fields that God's called us to. So that led us to the call becoming the send. So it moved from prayer for spiritual awakening, mobilization uh, of people in fasting and prayer to intentionality to get in action. It actually, the send is a war on inaction. Not only do we make commitments, but we just wanna follow through on those commitments. And so 60,000 people showed up on February the 23rd, 2019 in Orlando, Florida for the first send, and each attendee was actually asked to adopt one of five mission fields, and then the send followed up with them, and Joshua and I and others have been getting emails. These people know how to keep action moving. They know how to help you follow through on the commitments and decisions that you made tremendous follow-up process to help bring clarity and encouragement. So that's the big picture, the call, a movement of filling stadiums for spiritual awakening, fasting and prayer for a breakthrough for our nation, shifted into the sin. Now, where is Calvary in all this? Well, first of all, we had church members, members of our congregation that went to Washington, D.C. and were part of the sin back in that, in that year. The call, yeah, the call. Uh, of 2000 and uh, year 2000. So 400,000 people, some of our people were there at that. Then in 2003, November of 2003, there was the call Dallas, and we took a bunch of people from Calvary on a bus, a bunch of our young people in November. It was the last week in November, if I remember correctly. We went up there to the Cotton Bowl. By the way, parenthetically, when I showed up here to host that event, uh, I had my heavy jacket, I had other things, because I checked the weather, and the weather in Dallas was super cold that day. Our young people show, showed up in shorts and a t-shirt to go to the call, and it was one of the coldest days that I'd ever seen outside. And so they were buying, when we got to the call, they were buying sweatshirts and other things, uh, but that's what you need to know. Um, Azusa now, 
we took a group to, uh, to Los Angeles from Calvary, and we participated in this prayer event. As a matter of fact, God put together some divine appointments. You know Jerry Fristos. Uh, the, the Fristos have been members of Calvary. They moved to Colorado. Uh, we actually were asked to help mobilize people in greater Houston as a team. had a conversation with uh, Lou Engel there in 2015, the summer of 2015. So we participated there. And then we got connected to the SEND, Kansas City. So we've got, in, uh, we've got associated with the calls, then Azusa now. Then we got connected to the SEND because last summer, July, there was a special weekend at uh, the IHOP in Kansas City. And six ministries came together in a divine sovereign time, and Andy Bird, who is the YWAM missionary who got a, he sort of uh, was appointed or anointed or encouraged to lead this effort, and uh, he actually was one of those people on the stage envisioning about the sin, and so we had people at those services, we had people watching online, and Cheryl Moses came to our staff meeting and said, we are going to the sin in Kansas City, and obviously we do whatever Cheryl tells us. Except, I don't want you to remember that you're not to remember to go and get the fajitas lunch today. So don't remember that you're not to remember that, but remember it so that you can do that. So, we got some more information last fall about the sin, and our whole team was in. Uh, we really felt like this was a God thing. So I wanted you to hear kind of uh, our participation with the call and then with the Zusa now and these national stadium events but it's transition now and I want Joshua to share about the prophetic history kind of a backstory Joshua has some stuff to fill in that you need to know about yeah and before I before I get to that let me just say as Jeff was saying the call it was a call to gather and pray and fast and the send is a missions mobilization thing. Even though the call has sort of become the sin, it includes the call as well. Because the, the prayer movement at the end of the age and the missions movement at the end of the age are the same movement. Mm. So we don't graduate from prayer into missions. We bring the prayer into missions, and the prayer is what helps fuel the missions movement as the intercessors are doing war in the heavenly so that the foot soldiers on the ground can be more effective. And so it is now the sin but it also includes. So it hasn't transcended. It hasn't yeah, moved on from prayer. It includes the prayer and fasting, and that's what gives fuel and anointing to the missions movement. And so we're super excited about what the Lord's doing in the earth today. As Jeff prayed earlier, what a time to be alive. Amen. Thank God that we are alive in this most, one of the most dynamic times in all of history. And that's not hyperbole. That is truth from, the, from, yeah. from my mouth, but I think it's unction from the Holy Spirit. This is one of the most dynamic dynamic times in the world to be alive and you could have been born in any generation you could have been born a thousand years ago you could have been born any but God had you in mind to put you on the earth today mm. for a reason and for a purpose and so there, there's something in you that God said I want them to be alive at this time mm -hmm. to contend and to see a great harvest come forth so the scent um, it was such a powerful day. Just, I mean, I, it, it'll take us weeks, months, if not years, to really kind of see the impact and, and the different seeds that were sown. But 
uh, I want to give you just a little bit of context and why this whole entire week, not just the sin, but there are a week full of events there in Kansas City, why they are so significant, but not just for Kansas City, but for us, mm. okay? So I want to start the story all the way back in 1982. That was a, a long time ago, about 40, 40 years, years ago, 40 years, 1982, in Kansas City, uh, there was a pastor of a church named Mike Bickle. Raise your hand. You know who, anybody know who Mike Bickle is? Yeah, most of us are familiar with Mike. Some of you may not be. But there's a pastor in Kansas City, and he's pastoring. He's in his 20s. He's a young guy. He's pastoring in a church in kind of a wealthier suburb part of Kansas City. And in walks this man named Bob Jones. Now, Bob Jones was a prophetic a man, had a really significant prophetic ministry. He's, he's with the Lord now. Um, but Bob Jones comes to Mike Bickle, and he says, you don't know me, and Bob Jones was from Arkansas. Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> Anointing in Arkansas. There's something in that. I think there's just... Oh, uh, dear. We're going way afield. Anyway, so he talked with this really thick country <laughs> Arkansas accent, but he comes up to Mike Bickle, and he says, and he gives him a prophetic word, and, and, and I'm going to leave out some of the details, but just for the sake of the story, uh, the, the important parts are there. He said, he said, Mike, you're going to be moved in the coming years to South Kansas City to a place called Grandview. Well, if you don't know Kansas City geography, Grandview is like the armpit of Kansas City, okay? It's, for Grandview, it, it's, it's, it's the lower class, it's not, and Mike was pastoring this church in this really uppity area, and he goes, yeah, no, I don't think that's a word from the <laughs> Lord at all. But he says, the Lord is going to sovereignly move you to Grandview he said, he's going to move you on to Harry S. Truman's property. So Harry S. Truman was born. He's from Kansas City area. He said, he's going to move you to Harry S. Truman's property. He said, you're going to have 24-hour prayer and worship with singers and musicians around the clock, never stopping, praying. He goes, the Lord is going to cause you to be an, a spiritual intercessor for Israel. I mean, all of these things. And Mike's sitting there going, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Like, I'm not, Mike's not a singer and musician, so it's like, why would I have a bunch of singers and musicians around here? It was 24-hour prayer. Who's ever heard of such a thing? Grandview, no, that's not how you build a church. You got to go to the uppity area to build a church. I mean, all these things made zero sense to Mike. I mean, God's going to move you, night and day prayer, and he said, he's good, you're going to be a leader of a, of a youth movement, and, and with thousands and thousands of youth, youth and singers and musicians on Harry Truman's property, and you're going to be praying for Israel, and then get this. He said, there will even be people. This is 1982, okay? He said, there will be people in China watching the prayer meetings that you're leading with singers and musicians on Harry Truman's property, watching the prayer meetings from small TV sets, the unplugged TV sets that they can hold in their hands. Now, how, what are those? Okay, this is 82. That, was, that did not did exist not in exist. 82, okay? And, and, and th this is a confirmed word. I've actually seen the video of him giving this word. So this isn't just kind of hearsay. He spoke those words in 1982. There will be people in China watching the prayer meetings for Israel on Harry Truman's property from unplugged, little tiny unplugged TV sets that they can hold in their hands, even in the rice fields, is what he said. And so this made no sense to Mike. And so Mike just said, okay, thanks, brother. Appreciate it, you know. Well, we know, some of us know the history now. Mike, for the last 20 plus years, has been leading a night and day prayer ministry full of young people, singers and musicians. A few years ago, the Lord sovereignly, they, didn't, they did not seek to make these words come to pass. In fact, 
they probably even kind of put some of them on the shelf because they sounded so bizarre. I mean, who, who thinks in 1982 you can watch TV in your hand? That's just bizarre. So a few years ago, God sovereignly caused someone who owned 170-plus acres of Harry S. Truman's personal property, gave the property. I mean, it was, it was, he said, I want it to be in the hands of IHOP's ministry. So IHOP now, had, was, they were moved to Grandview. God sovereignly put them on Harry S. Truman's property. And for the last 20 years, Mike has been leading that, uh, a ministry of 24-hour prayer, young people, Amen. singers and musicians, praying for Israel. This week of the send, they were able to be on the property. They had some tents there for about four, three or four days. Yep, yep. Um, and they did night and day prayer for Israel on the property. And get this, they said there were over a thousand people from China streaming this thing <laughs> on their mobile devices. Amen. Amen. You can't make this stuff up. And, and for some of you who may not know, my wife and I were on staff there in Kansas City at the House of Prayer for about five years. And so some of these words, and I get, I get emotional talking about the, the fulfillment of these words, because so many of these words we've been contending for, for, 20, for two decades, hearing these words over and over again. And I've played it out in my mind. How would this even happen? What will this look like? Around that same time, and around 82, 83, another prophetic man, um, uh, named Paul Cain. He is also now with the Lord. But uh, Paul gave a prophecy to Mike. He said, there is going to be a, a parade, a caravan from your church in Grandview, Missouri, which is actually literally across the street from the, bur the, the, the boyhood home of Harry S. Truman. He said, there's going to be a caravan that will go 12 miles from this little prayer room of yours. It'll go 12 miles all the way down Blue Ridge Road, all the way to Arrowhead Stadium, where there's going to be a stadium full of young and old, and they're going to be praying and contending for the great harvest in the earth. That's what the send was. There was a caravan of people. They met at the, at the ministry center, and they drove 12 miles down Blue Ridge Road in a caravan all the way to Arrowhead Stadium, where it was full of 40-plus, 50-plus thousand people, not only praying, but being envisioned and equipped and stirred up to, to, to go and, and become missionaries to the nations, minister, missionaries in their, their neighborhoods and their schools. This was such a powerful moment of these, all of these different prophetic words that were spoken that was 40 years ago. Was around 83, 84, something, something like late 80s. So all of these words, 40 years ago, these words were spoken, and they seemed so bizarre. It, it seemed there's zero chance of this happening. That's, that's insane. Who fills up Arrowhead Stadium with, with young people like for the harvest? That's, it's crazy. And this one week... <laughs> three, three days leading up to the sand and the sand, these words converged in a divine sovereign moment. And what, one of the things it did for me is it, it stirred up a desire to hold on to prophetic words. Amen. God has spoken so many things. It would have been so easy to write off unplugged TV sets in your hand in 1982. Like, it would have been so easy to go, okay, yeah, you're cuckoo. <laughs> you know, like the harvest thing, yeah, I can get with that word, but the... Wow, that's just weird. It'd have been so easy to write those things off, but there's been a there's been a group of people who contended for years and years and years, and we saw those things come to pass. So what I want to do now is just encourage you guys. You know, Calvary has had words spoken over. We've been we've had words spoken over this house 
for years and years and years. We've been praying. We've been contending. Some of them in the natural seem as bizarre as unplugged TV sets in your hand. Some of them just like, there's no way, Lord. There's no way. Well, when I, when I was at the sand, I just looked around and go, Lord, your word is true. Your word runs swiftly. Your word is glorified. Your word does not return void. You are a keeper of your word, Lord. Do it at Calvary. Amen. Do it here. Amen. The same God who spoke those same words and, and moved puzzle pieces for 20, 30, 40 years even to make these things all sovereignly happen just as he said he would. That same God has spoken to us. That same God speaks to us today. And I think of some of the words, and, and we, could, we, we could go weeks and weeks just yeah. talking about the different words that we have. But one, two of the words were very common from uh, John Paul Jackson and Jim Gall. Both spoke. When, when we began to build this room, we began to, to build the other, the, the life center in there. They both spoke the word, you've built too small. <laughs> you built too small. And I'm going... Lord, that seems like a, I mean, that's a big building over there. I mean, we, we don't fill that big building over there. That just seems, that seems really lofty to me. But man, I'm telling you, when I was at the send and, and the, those words began to come to pass, I'm like, Lord, you are true to your word. Make it so, make it so. So guys, do not grow weary. Mm, amen. Don't grow weary in contending for the word of the Lord, no matter how wild it seems, no matter how big it seems. Stir up your faith. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Lord, stir up my faith that I can hang on to your word because you are not a man that you should lie. Your word is faithful. Your word is true. Do what you said you would do in the name of Jesus. I think of another word that the Lord gave us. Um, in 2009, the Lord... Uh, uh, spoke to Steve, Pastor Steve, and he said, you have 10 years to get the church ready. 10 years, that was 2009. 10 years to get the church ready. Ready for what? Like, what, what are we doing here? Fast forward 10 years from 2009. What happened at the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020? A global shaking, a global pandemic that shook every nation on the planet. Guys, God speaks. Amen. God speaks, and he wants us to listen. He wants us to keep our ears in tune to what he's doing so that we can partner with what he's doing in the earth. So, guys, hang on to those words. In fact, we have a prophetic sheet. We have a sheet that's going to be on the notes. So when you go home this week, you get onto our website to, to listen to this sermon. Uh, in the notes, there's going to be a sheet. It's a two-page sheet of prophetic words that have been spoken over Calvary. I want you to go to the website, and I want you to find those words. I want you to print it out, save it on your phone, and let's, as a people, be a people who contend and pray that God would do what he said he would do. Amen? I don't want to be left out of this thing. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want to be in the game, I want to be in contention, and I want to be fighting and believing in faith for the Lord to fulfill his words. So if you click on, you can actually go to those prophetic words now. You grab your, your phone, because uh, it's handy dandy, or you grab your computer, whatever you need, and it's on our sermons page, under the notes page, and we've also put it on our resources page. So Joshua, tell, I just thought of this, that story that you told a while back, uh, I guess it was on our Impact Weekend, about rehearsing the words where they become a part of you and actually they're your words. 
um, that you've experienced that not only with this house, but with the house in Kansas City. Absolutely. And so these words, when, when I was at the send and, um, and they, we began, I began thinking about these prophetic words from Kansas City. Um, and, and we haven't lived in Kansas City. We moved from there in 2007. We moved to Arkansas for about six years, and we've been here for nine. And so it's been a long time since I was there. But those words, I wasn't there when they were spoken. And I don't live there, and I'm not part of the ministry now when they're fulfilled. But those are my words. Those are my prophetic words. They're part of my story. God planted me in, in Kansas City. Get those words in me, the, that DNA in me, and I've been praying for them ever since. And so those words have become my words. And, and I've, I discovered the same thing here at Calvary. As, as one, of the things that, one of the things I do around here is teach uh, at in, our ministry team training. And I've been a part of so many meetings where we've been talking about our stories, telling the stories, telling the things that the Lord has done. I find myself, as I'm teaching ministry team training, telling the stories that happened before I was even here as if they were my own stories. And I'm not doing it on purpose to try to trick people or manipulate people. I catch myself afterwards going, wait a minute, I wasn't even here. <laughs> I wasn't even here when that happened. But I'm using the pronoun we. I say, we have seen God and the, the, the tumorous cancer in the, in the young man's head mm -hmm. and they opened him up and it wasn't there, but the indention where it was there on his brain. And I'm telling these stories. They're my stories. Why? This is my family. Mm -hmm. And God has spoken words to us as a family. And so when I became, became a part of this family, those words that God has spoken, that he is still working and going to work, those are now also my stories. So all of these things, is where you're like, why are you telling me about some random prophecy in Kansas City? Guys, those are part of our stories. Amen. These are our brothers and sisters. These are people we're connected with. These are the things that the Lord is doing in the earth, and we can believe and celebrate when those words come to pass because those are part of our history. And so when we, when we rehearse these stories, when we tell of the, the testimonies of things God has done, beloved, those are your stories too. Amen. You tell them as your own because they are yours because we're a family and God is doing something awesome in our midst. And it doesn't matter when you become a part of this family officially, you're a part of our prophetic history, right? Yep. And so I want you to know that. We, we share together. Uh, Cheryl has made some copies if you prefer paper. Uh, they are available at the, at the tables when you exit today if you'd like to have a hard copy of our prophetic words. So what we want to do now is we want to shift a little bit, and we want to talk about some takeaways from the send in Kansas City, and we want to talk about the impact of the emerging generation, what the Lord is doing among them. So, Calvary, I want to tell you there are times to show up. I want you to take that word, and I want you to think about it. There are times just to show up. We believe in the ministry of presence, and we believe in incarnation, right? incarnation and the ministry of presence. You cannot be salt and light without proximity. To have influence as salt and light, you have to be wherever it is that you're supposed to be. And so um, sometimes, you know, people say, why do I need to go to this? Or why do I need to be a part of this? Or it's about proximity. It's about salt and light. It's about being where God is working and being a part of what he's doing. So, 35 to 55,000, we actually don't have the final count yet. It's hard to count when you see a floor, a football field full of people standing, you know, close together 
for 13 hours contending for the Lord and for his purposes, and they're celebrating. It's hard to get an accurate count of how many people were there, but we were compelled to go to Kansas City. We were actually compelled to go there, and some of you could not go there, but you participated online. You were here at Calvary, or you did it at home, because there was a compulsion. This was a part of history that we needed to do about to be together for. So there were 200,000 internet connections. Now we don't know how many people that represents, right? Because some of the internet connections are one person on one cell phone. But others are people showing this in their home or their village or their church. People were connected. And we had 50 people from Calvary that actually physically went to the sin and participated there. And again, the goal of the send was to mobilize people to five mission fields, to the high schools, the universities, ministering to vulnerable children, actually wanting to change orphan care and foster care and to, to bring wholeness to that area. There should not be any forgotten child. They should have a home. They should have a place. Then mission field of their communities, and then also to the nations. One of the goals was to mobilize over the, the life of the send 200,000 missionaries to the unreached people groups, the 3.2 billion unreached peoples in the world. So that requires what Joshua told us. That requires intercession. A part of the vision of the sin is to mobilize one million intercessors to pray for the missionaries that are going to the foreign field. Can we say those numbers again? One million intercessors. 200,000. 200,000 missionaries. To the foreign fields. To the foreign, and you, you said the number of um, unreached people. What was that number? 3.2 billion. Okay, so sometimes when we hear numbers, I don't know if you're like me, I hear big numbers and they just kind of fly over my head. I'm not a math guy. I want us just to sit on that for just a second. Say those numbers again. We have 3.2 billion unreached peoples. That's, that's people that have never heard the name of Jesus. 3.2 billion people, according to the, the people who study those kind of things. 3.2 billion people on the earth. And the never sins heard. part is to mobilize 200,000 missionaries. Now, there are missions happening in different groups and mobilization groups. Youth with a Mission is actually one of the largest sending groups that has ever existed in the earth. But we need, like it's, I think the number is 0.1% of all the missionaries, of all the people in full-time Christian ministry are on the mission field. It's a very, very small number. Most of them are already laboring among the reached peoples. And so the sin wants to envision people to go where, uh, Paul describes it, no one has shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus before. So that's a part of the goal. And if those people are going to be successful on the mission field, they have to have prayer partners. Lauren Cunningham, who's the head of YWAM, wrote in his book, Daring to Live on the Edge, he, he, he wrote a book and he said, if you've got as a missionary or as a minister 30 people to pray for you, then that's covering, that's, let's break it down to one person a day over 30 days. That's a, a people for a month. He said, you'll have everything you need in terms of anointing and provision to do what God's called you to do. And so intercessors are important. We mobilize Calvary to intercede when we go on mission trips, when we have youth camps, when we have anything. So so those numbers are staggering, but think about this. The call went to Orlando, Florida, 
in 2019. They didn't know where they were going to go next. Brazil said, we want you to come here. There's something going on in Brazil. Actually, someone just recently shared, uh, was it Daphne shared, uh, that there's actually a, a spiritual awakening going on in Brazil right now. So they went in, I believe it was February of 2020. It was the last large public gathering in the world. Uh, they went to Brazil. They were going to fill one stadium. They ended up filling three stadiums, and all the stadiums had people wrapped around them. They couldn't get in, so they had speakers set up outside so the people could hear. From that event, they mobilized, I believe it was 20,000 missionaries, not just to the other four areas, but to the unreached people groups of the world. And so the call uh, became the send, and the send is now been in Orlando, Kansas City, it's going, at, and in Brazil. Next, it's going to Norway, then Argentina, and then in 2023, it's going to Nashville. And so uh, that's how God just does things strategically, so it has some steps to get it done. So Andy Bird, when we were at the event, there was just, there was speaker, and there was ministry, and there was worship, and it was just an amazing time, 12 hours, actually more than that, and in the presence of the Lord. And Andy Bird said this. He said, you will never regret spending 12 hours with the Lord today contending for America. Isn't that a great vision? You'll never regret that. I want to go back to showing up. When we show up at our prayer meetings, when we show up at the different places where we're supposed to be at, when we get to heaven, we're going to realize as God tells the story, the redemptive story of us joining Jesus on his mission together in the earth, we're going to see that our little part played a big part in what God was doing. And we're not going to get the credit. We're going to take our crowns and cast them down at the feet of Jesus going, we had a part in what you were doing. You are amazing that you allowed us to do that. He also said, we have gathered for a move of God in America. We've gathered for a move of God in America, and we're praying for a Jesus movement to touch America. So those are just three words that came from the stage that I think were impactful, but you will never regret spending 12 hours contending for our nation today. Then there was the blessing Kansas City. So Joshua referenced this. There was an activity called the flood. There was things going on all week. There was the waking on the Truman property. 5,000 people in five or six tents praying and worshiping uh, for Israel and for God's purposes. And there was other things that were going on also. There was ministry where a group called City Serve came to Kansas City, went to six thousand homes. And I told y'all last Sunday that they raised one million dollars and distributed furniture, goods, and things to people in most need in the city. I was re-listening to that part of the recording on YouTube this week, and I was in error. I missed it by $800,000. It was $1.8 million was raised to bless people in need in Kansas City. They shared the gospel 1,300 people were practically trained in how to share the good news about a relationship with Jesus Christ. They shared Jesus in 298 different locations. They actually shared Jesus with 7,500 people personally, and they knocked on 5,100 doors where they shared the good news of Jesus. And they said... 
that um, over 504 new believers came into the kingdom of God through those loving efforts. Pretty amazing. Then Mike Bickle said something that I didn't know. The SEND actually mobilized 800 churches in Kansas City, and Bickle said, we have never had any effort that catalyzed cooperative agreement between 800 churches before on behalf of the city. And we know Psalm 133, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. So during the sin, we also waited on God. There's something going on in the nation. There's something going on. The Greater Houston Prayer Council, since January, starting at 5.55 a.m. for an hour, has mobilized people to wait on God, to seek God for his face, not just for his hand. And now it's happening at 6, noon, and 9 uh, during the day, and, and that's one expression. There are people all over the world that are taking a minute or two minutes, or they're taking time just to be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be exalted among the nations, learning to be silent and to wait and to pay attention to the Lord. So there are just many current expressions of people waiting on God, like the word that Jesus gave to the disciples when he was about to ascend in Acts chapter 1, he looks at the disciples. He said, now I want you to tarry. I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the gift my Father is going to give you before you do what you do. And so we need to be a people who remember that our first responsibility is to stay in step with Jesus and our Lord God Almighty. And, and right now, a part of that is waiting. A part of that is building in time spiritual practices to just be with the Lord, not just to get something from the Lord. One of the main messages at the sin was from Mike Bickle, and Mike Bickle has a lifelong message. Joshua and Mandy, we've heard this message. We've been a, a part of the journey up there since uh, 89. And uh, the first commandment is what God has just imprinted on Mike Bickle. He had actually an encounter with the Lord where the Lord wanted people to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love their neighbor as himself, and where love was put back in the proper place as the first and greatest commandment. Uh, in some of our traditions, the Great Commission took the place of the Great Commandment, and you actually can't fulfill the Great Commandment apart from love for God, because love never fails, right? Every other motivation will fail except for love for God. And then the Lord actually used uh, Song of Psalms 8, 6, and 7. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy is unyielding as the grave, that burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. And so, when Mike read this verse, uh, actually on a, a wedding announcement card, he, he prayed back to the Lord, John 17, 26. Lord, Father, help us to love Jesus the way that you love Jesus. That's the life heartbeat of Mike's message. And he wants to infect this emerging generation of children, youth, and young adults with this love for Jesus. And it's love that's the greatest weapon the world has ever seen. And that's also an incredible contagion. We've seen the power of the COVID contagion, but God wants us to see the power of his love. And there's one thing Mike said, listen to this, there's one thing, there's one thing that God wants 
that he does not have. There's one thing that God wants that he does not have, and that's your voluntary love for God. He can't make you love him. You can't make someone love or it's not love. Amen? So God's wanting us to become people who voluntarily release our affections. The Song of Songs goes on to picture the, the Shulamite woman saying, hey, let the winds blow. Let the north winds blow. Let the, let the winds blow and release the fragrance of God's love in me to you, the one whose garden I, I, I am. And so the Lord has given us similar words through the years, right? Calvary, intimacy with God. That's a key part of who we are. And so that's a part of our mental model of transformation. It's a part of our vision. We want to be a people of of love, deep love for God, awareness of God. We sought recently to return to our first love according to the Lord's assignment in our lives recently. And then this year, our word for this year, holy desire, baptize us with fire. What kind of fire? The fiery passion of Jesus. That's what we want. And so I was just super encouraged and I was just really blessed because it was confirming of what God has said and done in our lives. And then at the end of the evening there at the sin, they began to minister and do some things. And uh, one of the things that the prophetic word was that God would actually do signs and wonders in the stadiums. And so we saw some signs and we saw some wonders. One man actually got up and he said, I think some of you are deaf. And I thought, so how are they going to get this word? And then he clarified it. He said, uh, you're deaf in one ear. And we as a, a group are going to yell pop all at the same time. And when we yell pop, God's going to heal your ear. Now, isn't that strange? And so people all over the stadium raised their hands because they wanted prayer for deafness in an ear. And then we all at the count of three yelled pop. And then God supernaturally, sovereignly popped people's ears open. There was a guy I was looking right down below. I just was gazing on the crowd and there was a young man who got healed, and he just fell back in his seat and threw up his arms. And everybody around him knew that he was deaf in that ear. And they just began weeping and crying and celebrating. It was cry laughing at the same time. It was just God touched that young that man. Crafting. That's what we call crafting? it. Crafting? Yeah, when you cry laugh, it's called a crafting. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in there. That's, it's, a, it's a Greek word. That's great. Yeah. And then... And then one of the leaders said, hey, God's going to heal rotator cuffs right now. If you have a rotator cuff problem, if you'll throw your arm into the air, God will heal your rotator cuff right now. And all of a sudden, there was an explosion of noise on the road behind me. I turned around. Martin Jordana threw up his arm. And the backstory I told you last week was he, he wanted Todd White to pray for him for healing for his rotator cuff. And he couldn't get to him because there were so many people around Todd. And then Todd White from the stage calls out a word for Martin. Well, and for a lot of other people, right? But he calls out a word for Martin. And you could just see the joy of the Lord. And his rotator cuff got healed right there on the spot. A sign and a wonder. Then uh, Heidi Baker began to pray for people with autoimmune diseases and mental illnesses. And there was stuff going on all throughout the stadium. Just amazing things. And so uh, those are just some of the takeaways. Uh, we could share quite a bit. There were a bunch of other takeaways. As a matter of fact, our staff 
at staff meeting on Wednesday were just sharing some of the highlights for us. And we spent an hour and a half just rehearsing and telling the stories and hearing things about what God was doing. And we had 50 people there. And so there's others. And you were online and you were seeing things. When we used to come back from mission trips as a youth group, what I didn't want us to say was, you should have been there. I want you to know what we're sharing today, we're actually a part of because we're a family. And so there's impartation of faith to believe God for big things, of faith to believe God who said the glory of this, of this latter house will be greater than the former. There are prophetic words that God has given to us and things that he's doing that are just as miraculous. To get us to be a part of this storyline is just amazing, to connect us to these streams and then that we would hear about them in time to mobilize and to be a part of them. Uh, now what I want to do is just shift a little bit and talk about the younger generations. We are really super excited about what God is doing among the next generation, both in our church and across the nations. Uh, it was inspiring to watch young people and young adults and teenagers worshiping God, praying for God, going all out for God in 110 to 120 degree temperature on the field. That was amazing. And that gave me hope for the next generation. They were willing to say, God, you're worth it all. You're worth it all. They were lost in abandoned worship. I also want to remind you, Calvary, that our God is the God of generations. Remember the scripture says he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He mentions three generations right there, right? All in scripture, God con consistently reminds us that, and we want to pour our lives into the next generation and to partner with them to reach our culture. I want to remind you of the word given uh, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. The last prophetic word given in the Old Testament canon, there was 400 years of silence before Jesus came. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. I want you to know that God wants us to be a multi-generational church with a multi-generational vision and a multi-generational heart. And so that's something that I think is super important. So it's our joy to serve as spiritual fathers and mothers for the next generation. It's a privilege to do that. And if your first thought of the younger generations is negative, I want to ask you to ask God to rewire your thinking. Because if you think someone is lazy or whatever it is that, that categorizes the younger generation for you, if that's the first thing that comes up, it'll be hard for you to invest in them with your prayers and your life and your interest. And so I, I want to encourage you to uh, picture what God is doing. I want you to know it is exciting to see what God's doing in our children and youth ministries. We have an amazing youth group. We have an amazing youth ministry uh, Jane Winnie and the Student Ministries Council and our young people. By the way, there's a lot of things that we could not do here without our young people doing the media, doing the, the streaming, helping and serving in different ways. Vacation Bible School, without the help of the young people, we would not be able to do Vacation Bible School. And so young people are really critical to the life of our church. The, children, the children's ministry is amazing, the lives that are being saved and discipled in Jesus. 
And uh, it's our joy to be spiritual fathers and mothers by participating. We are a part of a movement to help churches and businesses adopt local schools, partner with local schools, so that we can transform children for good. We can change their trajectory for good. And so we're involved at Hairgrove. We've got our friends and our pastor prayer group and others have mobilized to do that in the third largest school district. Uh, And we're also doing that in the state of Texas. We're also doing that across greater Houston with Loving Houston and other ministries. And we do this by serving and by praying for, we heard about Vacation Bible School today, right? I pray that some of us will say, I hadn't even thought about serving at Vacation Bible School, but I want to be where God is. You want to get under the spout where the glory's coming out, okay? And that happens at events like Vacation Bible School. And you say, does it really happen in the kitchen? I can honestly tell you, great things happen in kitchens. God moves there in profound ways. So wherever you need to serve, uh, I'm usually the door, uh, the door person, just greeting people. And uh, I just like to do that. That's the only place where I can't mess something up, they told me. And so I serve there. And it's fun to make relationships and to build relationships. So Vacation Bible School, what about youth camp? We want to pray for youth camp. We want to pray that at Encounter God's Presence camp, that they'll encounter God's presence in such a way that they're marked for a lifetime. So we want to pray for our young people. And we want to do special events. Like we had the EGP rally here, and Jason and Heidi Williams came and ministered here. We want our young people, we want them to know they're important. And so we build in time like that. God is doing something profound in our generation. And he's doing it in this young people generation, in our generation that includes children, it includes teens, it includes young adults, and it includes older people. In our generation, God is doing something profound. So let's continue to pursue passionate intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue to build authentic communities where people can be known and loved. Let's continue to align with the ways of Jesus so that whatever happens, we'll conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And let's continue to partner with Jesus on his mission in the prayer room and in our spheres of influence together with others. This is a great time to be alive. And so um, that's just a little thing. Is there anything else you wanted to add? popped in your head? No, I just wanted to, to echo one quick thing because you said it, and it was so powerful. Um, some of you listening to this today say, well, I didn't go to the send and I didn't watch it online. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't participate at all. Um, I want to encourage you not to just write this off, say, oops, I missed out. Oops, I didn't get in on it. That's what today is about, is to kind of get us all on the same page together. And so don't just write it off because you weren't there. Maybe you were busy and you had stuff going on and you couldn't watch it online. It's okay. It's a lot of the, the, the sessions are still online, right? Are they on YouTube? Yeah, YouTube. Uh, YouTube, you can go watch them. But e- even if you're not, the whole point wasn't just about an event in Kansas City as right. much so it is. We want you guys to see what God is stirring and doing in the earth. If he's doing it in Kansas City, he's doing it here. If he's doing it at IHOP, he's doing it in Calvary. I mean, he's doing something. So you didn't miss out in the sense that, well, I didn't get to watch it. Jump on. Just jump on what the Lord is doing. The Lord is stirring some amazing things up. And, and one last thing for just the, the young people. Um, so I, I, I used to be one of the young people. <laughs> 
And I loved it when people were talking about the young, this young generation's yeah. God doing something. The young generation was like, "Yes, that's me." And I've kind of crossed over to where now I'm like, "Yes, that's not me." You know, you kind of get this. And so I was at the send, and um, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me was, uh, as we were praying for this young generation, I had that the the instinctive, but what about? But what about me? I'm not one of the young ones anymore. But what about? But what about? But what about? And, 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 and I almost started to get a little, like, jealous. I was like, well, wait a minute. Give some words for us, like, middle-aged fat guys. You know, like, I, I, we need a word too, Lord. It's all this young generation. But what the Lord did in my heart is, is number one, the, the, the next generation is not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Amen. They're a part of me. They're a part of your generation, too, because I haven't quite crossed over into that <laughs> oh, level yet. You had to go but, there, didn't you? <laughs> that's my gift, brother. That's my gift. Wow. But, but no, if we, if we think of the younger ones as the church of tomorrow, and then we hear this focus on the Lord's doing something in the church of tomorrow, our instinctual reaction is going to be, but what about me? Are you done with me? Guys, but once we stop seeing them as a separate entity, once we start stop seeing them as something that God is they're going to raise up at some point, and we see them as the church of today with us, then we're a part of the same words. We're we're a part of that same flow. And so if if that's you today, if if you're part of the not quite as young crew and you feel that little thing, oh, but there's all this focus on these young people, but what about, but what about? I, I want to encourage you to do one thing, and, Je and Jeff mentioned this. Ask the Lord to, to kind of reframe your mind. One of the ways that I do that is I begin to fervently and faithfully pray for the thing I want to fall in love with. Mm -hmm. And I want, to, I, I want my heart to be so tenderized towards this young generation to see them as the church of today. And if, if, if that's not where my mind is, is, then I want to give myself to praying for them, contending for them in a faithful way, in a fervent way, with passion, and then your heart begins to follow the thing that you give yourself to in prayer. Does that make sense? And so if you have that little thing in your mind, uh, just start praying. And you don't even have to pray vague ones. Pick one out. Just pick one of the youth and say, I'm going to pray for this guy for the next six months, every single day of my life, and I'm going to contend for the purpose of the Lord to be to be fulfilled in his heart and that the Lord would set his fire of love. I, I, think, I guess I'm prophesying over you, but that, <laughs> that the Lord would set his seal of fire upon there and, and adopt one of them in your prayer closet. Adopt one of these young Amen. people. You don't even have to know their name. Just look at, oh, the one with the silly eye or whatever. You know, whatever. Just remember and say, Lord, that, that guy, I'm going to pray for that one. You don't have to know their name. But just, just give yourself, give, you know, your eyes are fine, dude. but give yourself to prayer and you will find your heart following in that place of love and affection for them. And so don't, yeah, don't check out. Don't check out. If you're not part of that younger generation, we're all part of the scene together. And God's doing a mighty thing all the way from the oldest of us to the youngest. And think about the number of people that were more mature that went on the trip, right? I mean, that was a nicer way to say that it. Was a, there were a lot of people, and uh, I just love the heart of Calvary to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, we had, we had people in their 80s, in their 80s, go to be a part of contending for this generation, which is not just the children, youth, and young adults, but includes them, and they 
have this tenacity, this audacity to believe I'm a part of this work. Isn't that great? Yeah, amen. And one, one quick example. Do you remember when, when the baby Jesus was being presented to the temple? Mary and Joseph brought baby Jesus to Simeon, and Simeon blessed Jesus and gave this prophetic word. Look what was happening in one of the most dynamic moments of all of human history. This is the incarnation, God himself being born of a woman on the earth. You had the middle generation that... Uh, Mary was probably a teenager, and, and Joseph was thought to be a little older, maybe in his 20s or 30s. We don't know for sure. But you had that middle generation bringing the baby Jesus, the young generation, to Simeon, the older generation, to present Jesus to the father of the generations. I mean, you had all of the things working in conjunction, the middle generation presenting the younger to the older to present baby Jesus to the God of all the generations, and that's, that's, that's the kingdom. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what the Lord is wanting us to do. We're all partnering together. We're all in this thing together. We can't do it. Young people, we can't do this without you, and can I tell you something? You can't do it yeah, without amen. the gray hairs either. You can't. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Yeah. This is something we're all in it together. You are my brothers and sisters, young people. You are not just little peons. You're not just little little suckers down there. You're not just young little Padawans that we're trying to train up. You are my brothers. You are my sisters. I value you. We need you. It's time for you to take your place of authority and the spirit that God has, God has uh, placed over you and in you, and you need to begin to lift up your voice. You need to begin to put feet to the things God's calling you to do, and we're going to be the cheerleaders for you. We're going to help you. We're going to serve you. We're going to do everything that we know and the, everything in our power to see you fulfill the destiny that God's put on your life and in your generation. So rise up, take your place. It's Amen. time to lead. It's time to be who God's called you to be. Don't wait. Would you please stand? We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.